Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You know, today as we're coming out of Thanksgiving and into the Christmas season, as Pastor Michael mentioned, there can be those, those family moments or those situations that may be a little bit more uh, unique than others. And there can be opportunities that pop up for more difficult conversations. And, you know, we, we're coming out of our evangelism series, and I, I personally feel evangelism is so important. And I want to encourage each and every one of you that we have all been called to evangelize, to go to our neighbors and to, to speak life, to be life. I've heard it said, we're the only Jesus that some people in our world will see. And we need to make sure that we're that this season. And I, for the first time and leading forward on this, I purchased two tickets to Night of Christmas for my neighbor uh, before I asked him to come. So I wanna encourage you, Night of Christmas is the easiest invite. It's at the Rady Shell, it be the invite. Um, so into the kingdom, invite somebody. But that's a side note. But um, what I found is that some of the things that can impact our, our outreach, that can impact our witness, probably one of the biggest ones is offense. Where on one side of the coin, we're worried that, you know, I don't want to ask that person because what if I offend them? Or I, I don't know, maybe it's presumptive of me to tell them they need to go to church. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to cause a problem. So I just, I just won't invite them. And I want to encourage you, like, this is a matter of their salvation. This is a matter of where they spend eternity. Let's be a little bit bold. Jesus said, uh, blessed are those who are not offended by me. Because what he, what he was saying by that is, is not that he was intentionally trying to offend anyone, but that he was not about to water down his mission and his assignment in order to not offend somebody. So I want to encourage you in this season don't worry so much about whether or not you offend somebody and, and speak the truth, speak it in love, be kind. And then on the other side of the coin, I think we can take on offense and say, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna invite that person because they didn't come to my birthday party last year. <laughs> right, I think we can hold offense and, and also not be the witness that we need to be. So today I wanna talk a little bit about offense. Um, the title of my message, which I didn't even get to last service, is defense against offense. And I wanna talk to us and teach us a little bit about how to defend against offense in our own life. Um, offense is what I call the gateway drug to unforgiveness. So you've heard Pastor Michael talk about unforgiveness if you've been in our services the last couple of weeks, Pastor Tom talked about it as well. Unforgiveness can be one of the most damaging things in our life if we let it root. Offense is what gets us into unforgiveness. It's the first thing, it's the first seed that can take root and cause unforgiveness in our life. The two of the greatest planners that I know in the world are not people. The, the two greatest planners of human life are God and the devil. God has a plan for your life, but the enemy also has a plan for your life. They both have backup plans. They both have contingency plans and emergency plans. They have a plan specifically for your life. And I'm not saying that to, to like elevate the devil, but what I am saying it for is because it's important to shine the light on the schemes of the enemy so that we can overcome them. So I will tell you that the enemy tries to use one of his, his secret, I call it the silent attacks of the enemy, is to get you just a little bit offended 
at something somebody said or did or something you heard. Or maybe you didn't, they didn't text you back when you sent them a message to see how they were doing so you got offended. Or maybe they wore the same outfit as you and, and they knew you bought that outfit first. Or maybe somebody took a contract at work that should have been your contract. Or maybe your boss said something or did something to you that kind of left a sour taste in your mouth and you just held on to this offense. The enemy will use that to prevent you and block you from getting into the plans that God has for you. So I want to give a, a, couple, a couple things in this message, a couple quick tips um, to kind of help us fr break free from the, the damage and the bondage of offense. Uh, on the screen, it says in John 10.10, 10, it's clear about this. Um, the enemy's plan for us is to kill, steal, and destroy. But God's plan is to give us life and life abundant. And so the, the enemy wants to, to steal something from you. And we always think like, oh, no, he can't steal anything from me if I'm, if I'm protected. But what we miss is that when we, when we get offended, when we take offense, that's when the enemy can steal. It's almost a reverse thing. In order for the enemy to steal from us, we have to selfishly take something. In order for God to give us life and life abundant, we have to give our life, our will, our control over to him. So it's almost a juxtaposition, if you will, but the enemy uses this tool to try to take from us. In Proverbs 19.11, it says it's to our, our glory to overlook an offense. And I, I love how it says overlook an offense. It means the offense came and we chose to overlook it. We chose to deal with it and, then, and look past it. But how? I'm, 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 I'm always, I always, excuse me. I'm always a practical person. How do we do that? How do we overlook offense? Um, you've heard the, the term knowledge is power. I want to tell you today that that is false. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. If you read all the books in the world, you'll have a head full of knowledge. And if you do nothing, you'll have no power uh, in, into it. If you read every word of the Bible and apply none of it, you will not get the power that God wanted to get into your life. This is why we encourage people here to read the word. You'll hear sayings from this stage like, if you read your Bible, which we encourage. It's one of the things I love about this church. We encourage you to read your Bible. We're not a church that wants to spoon feed the word to brand new believers. We're a church that wants to empower you. Get the word in your life, read it, get it on your lips, speak it out and take action. So I wanna give, there's a little side tangent, but I wanna give you a couple action items, things that you can do today um, to not live in offense. Uh, you'll often hear statements uh, made, sometimes in the church even, like this. I'm unoffendable. I don't get offended. It's not me. I am transcended above offense. And I'll, I'll be honest, first time I heard those statements in this church, I got a little offended at them. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you why. And I love the idea behind the statement, uh, but I want to encourage us to use different words. If you've ever said something like that, I'm not condemning you, uh, but I, I want to encourage you, maybe use a, a different language because words really do matter. And to say... Uh, I'm unoffendable is almost like saying I'm without sin wow. or I don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with my language. I have a perfect tongue. Or to say things like I am the man of God. I am without sin. Right. right? It almost kind of promotes an arrogance that look at me, not look at what God is doing through me. So I'm going to let the nerd in me come out a little bit. I want to put a graph up on the screen. As we, as we grow in our walk with God, this is what's called a, a negative exponential distribution. Yes, I know, super nerdy. I can explain it to you later if you want, but it, this is damping, which is a, doesn't matter. If you need to know about it, you can ask Scott later. He knows it in detail. But this is what I, I uh, 
kind of want to explain our walk with God and, and how we're meant to grow. On the bottom here where it says time, this is spiritual maturity on the x-axis. On the y-axis where it says amplitude, just ignore that. This is a level of sin or offense or whatever you want to call it, things that you're working to do less of. And I want to be clear, the Bible says that it, it doesn't call us to uh, stand and live perfect, but it does call us to be perfected to continue to grow and be like Christ. It says, it says in one point to be perfect as Christ is perfect. And while that can sound like a big challenge, at least to me sometimes, it's also, it's not a, it's not a, a like an excuse. Like we can't say things like, oh, nobody's perfect, so I'm gonna keep living unperfect. And so I wanna put this graph up and explain, as we grow in our spiritual maturity, the, the amount of sin or the likelihood of sin, the area under the curve represents the likelihood that something could happen, it decreases. And it becomes less and less and less. And I'll tell you that in my life, some of the things I've walked through, I've been here on the offense scale in my maturity with God, where anything from this level down, I'm offended, guaranteed. But as I've grown, I've said, you know what? The calling of my life, in order to lead an amazing worship team, in order to lead two amazing daughters, in order to lead a family that chases after God, I can't allow some of these things to, to grow in me, to, to set root. And so I've moved along this curve to another level. So as, I'm in, as, to, as an encouragement, I wanna let you know, instead of saying things like I'm unoffendable, take a page out of Pastor Leanne's book. If you were here for her message the other day, she made a statement that really was inspiring and encouraging to me. She said, I don't get to be offended anymore. And what she was saying was, I have a choice of whether or not to be offended. And the calling on my life is way too important for me to allow offense to creep in and rob that calling. And what I wanna encourage each and every one of you with is there is a calling on your life to be a husband, to be a father, to be a friend, to be a great business place uh, executive, to be a great employee, to be a great whatever it is, fill in the blank. There's a calling on your life that requires something of you and it requires that we grow out of offense that we grow out of taking on offense. So I wanna encourage you, instead of saying, I don't get offended, say things like, I choose not to remain in offense. I choose to not let certain things offend me. Um, we, have to, we have to make a decision. We have to come down to a place where we're, we're gonna say, I, I decide. I decide that when that person doesn't text me back, I'm not gonna be offended. Um, it comes down to being versus getting. And I always use the analogy of SeaWorld. If you sit on the front row of the, dolphin, or of the whale uh, watch at SeaWorld, you are going to get wet. You're gonna get wet, it's gonna happen. And I love watching from afar, you can see the little kid that's so excited and when he gets wet, he's so excited. And then you see the, the older person in the business suit with the hair done up right and they get wet and they're so angry. Where did I get wet? Because you sat in the front row. Well. I've got news for you. If you live in a world with humans and you don't live by yourself, there will be times where you could get offense coming your way. Getting, getting offended happens to you. you. You can get offended. Being offended happens in you. You, you have to choose to be offended. I'll, I'll show you where this is in the Bible. In Luke 17, 1, Jesus said, is it, it is impossible that no offense should come. That means that it's impossible. He's saying you're not gonna walk through life and never have an opportunity to be offended. Now, he's not saying that just go ahead and get offended. He's not giving you free permission to take that offense and plant it in your heart and let it rule your life and your will and your emotions. He's saying it's impossible that it doesn't come, but that you have a choice to what to do when it does come. 
Um, three quotes, or I'm sorry, one quote that I that I really like that um, I'll I'll read to you. But I also I always like to um, back up a quote with a Bible verse, and I do this for a reason. I, I believe that all wisdom that man has found and put put in books is fundamentally rooted in the Bible, in one way or another. And if it's not, it's not wisdom. So I, I like to back up every quote I say from stage with a, a Bible verse that backs it. This quote says, remember that thoughts and opinions aren't good or bad, right or wrong, as they enter your mind. But they can sure be empowering or disempowering to your happiness and success as they enter your life. And the verse I use to back this up is Romans 12 too, And it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what this, is, what this means for me is that we have the opportunity as thoughts come in, to either let them sit, to think on them, to dwell on them, or to flush them out, to transform and renew our mind. If we don't transform our mind daily, and for me, daily is the least I have to do it. I probably need to do it like every hour. But if we don't, what we'll do is we'll continue to meditate on the same things. And if we don't transform our mind, our actions won't change. I can encourage you, if you don't like something that's happened in your life, you need to transform your mind. If you don't, if we choose to not transform, we will always act and behave the same way we have before. So we must transform and renew our mind. It's like clearing the cache on your web browser. Uh, web browsers store data and information from web pages so that when you come back, they can load faster and it remembers certain things. But when you clear it, it's saying to the web browser, I want a new experience from this page. I want a new experience today. And I want to encourage you as we transform and renew our mind, we're saying to the world, I don't care what you said to me yesterday, I'm gonna flush that and I'm gonna let God speak first. I'm gonna renew my mind and I'm gonna let God speak and then I'm gonna filter everything that comes into my ears, everything that comes into my eyes through what he said. So I wanna encourage you, transform and renew your mind. Um, another quote that you get today, this is a JVT original. So write this down because this will be quoted for thousands of years, I'm certain of it. Um, the quote is this, when we abdicate the choice of whether or not to be offended, we empower circumstance to dictate the quality of our lives, the state of our happiness, and the depth of our walk with God. I'll say it again, because it's a lot. When we abdicate the choice of whether or not to be offended, we empower circumstances, which is things, people, words, etc. We empower circumstances to dictate the quality of our lives the state of our happiness, and the depth of our walk with God. Being offended is a, is a choice, and we will either choose whether or not we're going to grow on that scale and become less and less offended, or we will default to the flesh, and the flesh will always get offended. The flesh will always say, you, you offended me. I want to encourage us today to not abdicate that choice. I have three points that I'm going to get through. Uh, they all start with the word choose. And if you know, any, if you know me at all, I, I, on my personal mission statement, uh, it starts with I choose. And it does that for a reason. I believe everything is a choice. Everything in our life is a choice. And you, know, you can't choose your parents. You can't choose what happens to you in life. But you 100% can choose, and, and nobody else can take this away from you, how you respond to those things. So all three of my points today start with the word choose, and, and it's not by accident, it's on purpose, because I want to encourage you and empower you that those two plans, the plan of God and the plan of the enemy, they, they all ride on the choices that we make. We can either choose our choices to align with God's plans for our life, 
or abdicate that choice, and then by default, our fleshly choices will align with the enemy's plan for our life. Okay, point number one. Choose correct commitment. Choose correct commitment. What, I, what I'm so inspired about when I heard Pastor Leanne speak was she has chosen to commit, to have a committed life, a life that does not, is, is not allowed to be offended. I, I love that she used that language. Her commitment level is such that she's not allowed to be offended anymore. And I want to encourage us to commit in our lives that we're going to grow in this, that we're going to grow in this area of offense, that just think of one thing even that you typically get offended about. Maybe a spouse does it or a brother or a sister, and then decide today, next time that comes up, I won't get offended by it. I will, I will choose to take that to God, to pray about it, and to not get offended by it. There's a difference between commitment and intention, and I'm going to explain it. Uh, I, I have a goal to work out four to five times a week, and I typically do it. I typically make that goal, uh, but that is not a commitment. That is an intention, and I'll tell you why. If something comes up in my world where I need to spend time with my family, I will choose my family over working out. If I am tired, I will choose sleep over working out. I'm just being, just being transparent. There are times I just don't feel like it. And I will choose my selfishness over working out. It is, it's an intention. I intend to do it, and I typically do it. I prioritize it well. It's a high-prioritized intention, but it's not a commitment. And I want to make that distinction for a reason, and I'm going to give an example of a commitment. Um, my kids are a commitment to me. My wife is a commitment to me. The way I husband and the way I father are commitments that I have made. And you know, to put it into perspective, I've committed to pick up my kids from school. And there's no chance I'm going to say, ah, I'll get them tomorrow. <laughs> right? If I'm on the way to pick them up and I get a flat tire, I'm not going to be like, oh, man, I guess I won't get them today. I got a flat tire. If I'm busy with a work meeting, ah, I just, I'm not going to get them today. I'll pick them up tomorrow. Right? We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because I've made a commitment to my children. If, if for example, on a Saturday they, they want some food, there's no chance I'm saying, ah, I'll feed you tomorrow. I'll feed you tomorrow. And, and there's two reasons for that. One of them, my personal commitment, I, I feel God has called me to be a great father, to lead a, a great family and to pour into my kids. But two, there's a built-in accountability structure that the state of California provides for us. And I guarantee you, if you don't feed your kids for a couple days in a row, somebody's going to show up to your house and take your kids. So we, wanna, we don't want to lose our kids. So we, we're accountable to them and we commit to being their parents. I, th this is kind of a side topic, but I wonder if the state had a program for spouses that was similar, if we would shift our, our, our husbandry or, our, or how we are as a wife. If you had a program that showed up, if you weren't treating your spouse well and picked them up and dropped them with a spouse that was kind and loving to them, would we shift? Just a, just a challenge I want to put out there. Um, you know, we've got to make the correct commitment. And uh, on, on that, I had... The other day I was talking with my kids and they asked me, Dad, what's, what's the best day in your life? What was the best day in your life? And I said, well, the best day in my life was when I married your mom. And they were like, oh, that's cool, Dad. And I was like, you know, I, I also think it was the best day in her life. She was with us. And I was like, but you should ask her that to confirm. <laughs> and they looked at her and they said, Mom, what was the best day in your life? Was it that one? And she said something that was so honoring to me and so challenging all in the same sentence. Uh, she said, no, it wasn't that day. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. 
She said, it was the day that my man decided he was going to be my husband. And it was amazing for me to hear because she said, your dad has made a decision that no matter what comes, no matter what storm, no matter the ups or downs, he's going to be my husband. And it's bigger than a ring and it's bigger than a contract because he made a covenant before God and made a decision. Now, what she didn't say is whether or not that day was before or after, and she didn't need to. But what I will tell you is that I make that decision again and again every day. And I, I put people around me that hold me accountable to that. We have to make some decisions. We have to make some commitments. There's a, there's a difference between a commitment and an intention. I don't intend to be a good husband. I don't intend to be a good dad. I'm, I'm committed to those things. Pastor Jurgen uh, said a, a quote that I, I, I write it. I plan my week out every week in advance, and I write it across the top of my weekly planner every single week. He said, your discipline determines your destiny. And it's something that so inspires me because I see that picture I put on the screen earlier of their discipline, of their walk with God. I know that they read the Bible cover to cover every year. I know that they press in in the word. I know that they pour in intentionally to their marriage, to their kids, to their life. And I, I see their discipline and I see their trajectory. And what I wanna encourage each of you with is if you don't like your trajectory, just work on your discipline. Just work on your discipline just a little bit. All right, point number two, choose correct judgment. Choose correct judgment. I think that we can miss this one in, sometimes in the church environment, you'll hear, oh, we don't judge. There's no judgment here. Uh, you know, there's almost like this connotation that any judgment of any kind, we don't do it. It's a judgment-free zone. No judgment. We won't judge. We can't judge. We, no, no place for judgment. Judgment-free, zero judgment right? And I think that's a little bit misplaced. And I'll back this up in the word. Um, in Hebrews 11, 11, it'll be up on the screen. Um, this is the story of Abraham and Sarah, in, and they're highlighting Sarah in the hall of faith. And Abraham and Sarah were known as the fathers of the faith. Uh, Abraham was known as the father of the faith. They were the, the, effectively the beginning of the Israelites. And Abraham had a promise from God that all of the generations of Israelites that would be more than the stars in the sky would come through his lineage. The only problem was him and Sarah didn't have any kids. But they believed because God told them and they believed and they believed well past the age of being able to have kids. But Sarah, it was accounted to her as faith because it says in this verse, by faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. I want to highlight that word. She judged God faithful. There is a type of judgment, church, that we as believers are called to make when an opportunity for offense arises. And it's not a condemning judgment. It's a judgment like this. I will give you an example. My wife judges me every day. Every day. Now, before you think I'm throwing my wife under the bus. When she wakes up in the morning... She chooses to judge me correctly. And I've heard her say to my kids, your dad is a great dad. He's a great provider. He's a man of God. He takes care of us. He loves us and he cherishes us. She judges me. That's a judgment. And it is a correct judgment. It doesn't matter my behavior. If I'm behaving like an interesting person, she speaks those things. I was going to say something bad, but I'm not going to. She speaks those things. My wife believes those things about me before I believe them about myself. And it's because she made a choice to judge me well. Just like Sarah made a choice. Look, when, when Sarah, she had the opportunity to say, 
You know, God didn't respond to my text message. I sent him a message and said, I want a baby. And he left it blank. I didn't even see three bubbles. Like he didn't even write, he didn't even start writing back. But she didn't. She said, nope, I'm going to judge, I'm going to judge him faithful because I know my God is faithful. And there has been opportunities for my wife to judge me in a different way. But she has said, nope, I know, I know that that man follows God and I'm going to judge him well. And I'll, I'll give you this context. It's a quick lesson in Greek. The word judged from Hebrews 11, 11, where Sarah judged God is, is higiseto. And what that word means is to consider, think, or regard. And it's essentially using your discernment to consider the heart of the character of the entity and not pass judgment. In, in contradiction to that, the word krinon is the word for judgment that is used in the verse, don't judge, lest ye be judged. It's the condemning judgment, the judgment that is final, that is in accordance with the law, that is reserved for God. So those two words, uh, higiseto and krinon, I'm 100% sure I'm pronouncing them wrong, so don't get offended by that. But they, they show, they're both, they both appear in the Bible in multiple places, and they show a difference in our judgment. And what I want to encourage us in around offense when I say choose correct judgment is when an opportunity comes up to be offended, I'll give an example. Say somebody comes up to you and goes, ooh, you chose to wear that skirt today, huh? We have an opportunity. We can say, forget you. Like, who are you to speak to me about my outfit? That is a condemning judgment. Or we can choose, and this is a difficult choice sometimes, but we can choose to see the person and say, man, that person was made in the image of God. And they might be hurting. They might have just had a bad day. Or they might have been told by their husband this morning that in a skirt they looked unattractive. You don't know where they're coming from. And so what I want to encourage you with is instead of judging what they said to you that could have really been meant to be hurtful, let's learn to judge and evaluate the person and see if we can be loved to them and see if we can extend a hand. See if we can pray for them or see what's going on in their world. Or even, you know, if you want to diffuse that one real quick, even say something like, you know, I've been really having trouble finding something that looks good on me. Would you like to go shopping with me next week? Throw it right back. I mean, throw it right back at them. I want to encourage you. Be the light of the world. Be Jesus to somebody that's hurting. If somebody says something hurtful to you, it's probably because they're hurting. So let's get our judgment correct. All right. Point number three, choose correct thinking. We have to think properly around offense. We have to have the correct thoughts in our head. Um, another quote that I love is, where your attention goes, energy flows, and results show. Where your attention goes, what you think about, your energy will flow towards, and results will come out of. A verse that backs that up, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, Jesus was talking about, or the the, whoever wrote Proverbs was talking about um, a man that said, go, go ahead and eat and drink, but in his heart, he's not with you. And he said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And really what this means is that if you, if you don't like the results, if you're short with your kids or you continually find yourself frustrated with somebody or something, uh, life's not working out for you and you find yourself mad a lot, I want to encourage you, instead of getting like, fed up with the situation and throwing in the towel, go back to what am I thinking about? What am I meditating on? I want to ask and encourage and challenge what's playing on loop in your head? What's the prevailing thought that's on loop? And I want to ask, is it controlling you or are you controlling it? 
By default, if we don't choose what we think and focus on, it will control us. Our brain's narrative will go back to what we knew to be safe, and it will play that on loop and on repeat. And this is, this is a concept that is, uh, is agreed upon by neuroscientists, that what we focus on expands. And what it, literally what, what, it, what the brain does is when we focus on a particular subject or item and, and continue to think on it, our brain will pool resources towards that thing so that we expect more of it, we see more of it, we notice more of it, and more of it comes out in our life. So if you're continually thinking, like if somebody says something to you that could be offensive, or maybe is offensive or hurtful, and we just repeat, I can't believe they said that to me. I can't believe they did that. We're gonna continue to repeat that narrative and it's gonna drive us more and more into, like when you say things like, I can't believe, I can't believe they did that in a negative connotation, guess what you're doing? You're promoting and reinforcing unbelief. You're promoting, you're, you're believing negative about somebody. You're believing their intentions were malice and you have no idea. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But what are you choosing to look at? What are you choosing to continually rehearse? Remember that our thoughts and opinions, what I said in the beginning, they're not necessarily good or bad as they enter our mind, but they can be really damaging as they enter our heart and our life. I'll, I'll leave, leave you with this quote by James Allen. He wrote a book called As a Man Thinketh that is primarily rooted in that verse uh, in Proverbs 23, 7. And in this quote, he said, a man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. Whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into the mind of your garden, the garden of your mind, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall there and will continue to sprout in their kind. We must tend the garden of our mind. We must do it. And I wanna, I wanna really and strongly encourage you all. Um, one of the ways that we tend the garden of our mind, we tend our thinking is, and I told you I'd give you action items. It's by showing up at men's and women's prayer, by getting around a community of believers that think the same way as we do, that will encourage your thinking, that will challenge your thinking. I wanna give you a bit of a challenge. If you're not going to men's and women's prayer and you're able to, I know some of us have work, some of us are unable to, but if you're not going to men's and women's prayer, you're missing out on one of the most powerful catalysts to change your world. I mean it, you're missing out on one of the biggest things that has strengthened my life. I, my wife and I, I look over the last nine years of our life in this church and everything is accelerated. Our income, our marriage, our kids' lives, our ministry, everything is accelerated. And if I was to point back to the one thing, I would tell you it's men's prayer for me. Because whenever I was discouraged, I got men around me that said, we're not gonna let you camp in the valley, you're gonna walk through it. Whenever I had a defeat show up, because these things happen in life, we have bad days. Whenever I had a struggle Actually, I'm gonna correct that. We don't have bad days. I choose to not prescribe to bad days. We have days where situations happen to us that, are, that aren't great. And we can sit in those in our mindset or we can get a, a man or a woman around us that can lay hands on us and pray the victory that God knows. It's like Pastor Michael said, Jesus doesn't speak the language of defeat. So when we do, he's like, I don't know what you're saying. And that's why we, it's imperative to, to fix our thinking. We must enter 
the engine room of prayer. We must enter it. I, I've said, um, oh man, I've said before that uh, game day, yeah, I, in college, I played college basketball, that game day is just a result of your preparation throughout the week. That when you show up on game day, you don't win or lose the game. You perform to, to the level of your practice. And what I wanna encourage us all with is we, we must make the decision in advance. My three points were choose to commit, uh, choose the, the correct decision. And, and one of that, one of the key points of that is that we must make a choice in advance. We must decide in advance whether or not we're gonna be offended when a situation comes. Because I'll tell you, when you get to that point where the offense is there, when you get to that point where someone makes a comment that might be passive aggressive, you've already decided, whether subconsciously or consciously, you've already decided whether or not you're gonna be offended. So let's make those choices now. Let's make that, that impact now. Choose correct commitment, choose correct judgment, and choose correct thinking. And I wanna leave you with a, a moment from my life. About 15 years ago, I had some severe offense that I held on to towards my dad. Offense that led to bitterness, bitterness that led to unforgiveness, unforgiveness that led to hate, and I wouldn't let go of it. And I'll tell you that in a, in a prayer meeting in Hawaii, in a church in Hawaii, not much different from our men's prayer, I had a, a brother come up to me and say, you've gotta let go of that offense. You have to let go of it. You have to give it over to God. And I got a little defensive and I said, but you don't know what took place and you don't know that he won't change. He refuses to do anything different. And that man looked at me with love in his eyes and he said, Jared, if you don't let go of the offense, you won't change either. And it spoke to me and over the next year, I worked really hard to forgive my dad. I, I, I literally, and I literally washed his feet and told him I loved him. And I honored my dad and I got to do it again today. And I can tell you that when he passed, there was no offense in my heart. There was no hurt there anymore. And I've been able to be a better dad and to live in freedom and to introduce my daughters to their grandpa with joy and with life because I let that offense go. I'm gonna ask the ministry team to come forward and I just wanna encourage you that if you have offense in your heart, if any part of this message has triggered something for you or you've really noticed that, man, I held offense, it may have been last night, it may have been last year, it doesn't matter. There's no condemning judgment, that, that latter judgment I mentioned for you having that offense. But I wanna encourage you, if you walked in here with it, you don't have to walk here out of here with it. Leave it at this altar. Let some of the most amazing people I know in this church pray with you. I'll be down here. I'd love to pray with you. I'm gonna pray over us corporately. And then as the ministry team comes forward, I wanna encourage you, come down as I'm praying. Just go ahead and come down now. Lord, I thank you. Please stand as I pray. Lord, I thank you for this amazing congregation, your sons and your daughters. Lord God, I thank you that you have designed us and uniquely equipped us to not harbor offense. So Lord, today I pray that as we are open, as we are open to change, as we are open to the things that you have for us, that as we lay down these offenses, you would rush in and fill us with your love, fill us with your life.
God, I thank you for what you're doing in and through each and every person here. I thank you that you have a calling and a destiny on their life, that you have a plan for each and every person. And I pray today that as we lay down these offenses, we'll align our will and our actions with your plan for our life. Lord, I pray a blessing over each and every person. I pray you fill them with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.